Welcome to the Celebrate Brave podcast. I'm Nicole Church-Steinbach, your host and the international bravery coach for women in tech. I serve women all over the world to earn more money, create more opportunities, and thrive in the tech industry because tech needs all of us. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, brave people. I am so excited about the conversation today because I am introducing you to my bestie, 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 Erica Tamburo. Eric and I were just doing the math dangerously on how long we've been friends. It started 22 years ago in college. We actually lived across the hallway from each other. We had passed each other a couple of times. And for some god awful reason, I decided to do typo, or maybe it was your roommate that decided. Anyways, our first activity together was randomly doing typo, and then we never, ever, ever did any of that silliness ever again because that is not really who we are. And then from there, it was like a slow growth and deepening of our friendship until we moved in with each other junior year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we lived together junior yeah, year, yeah. senior year. And then you came to see me in Germany. I was back and forth mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh. And there were times where we weren't in constant contact with each other, but somehow we always were, which I think is really yes. incredible. That's yeah. accurate. Yeah. And so Erica was a woman in STEAM way before I was. I'm sure I made a lot of fun of her. When I first started working as a secretary for the computer science department, which is what got me into tech, she was the one I was living with. And I complained and complained and complained and complained. And she always convinced me to keep going back. And thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Oh, So Erica Tumboro. Behind me, if you are seeing this video, and if you're not usually watching the videos, that's totally fine, but just pop over because she is a creative in many spaces. Tech, done incredible research in tech. Art, there is one of the many pieces I have of hers in the back of the video, and opportunities for women and girls. And I am so excited to share you, <laughs> you, but also your story. Hmm. Welcome. We promise not to cry. Today. I didn't promise nothing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I want to say. Thank you for having me and um, thank you to all your listeners for their time to join us and listen to our story. Yeah. Hope you find something from it. Oh, my goodness. Hope you connect. You like the story I actually know, and I'm just like, people are going to learn so much, and it's going to be so great. But which of the just loads of them? She's not going to share the brave story of when she was my roommate, because this poor woman suffered. <laughs> She's going to share a different story. So what story did you want to share with us today? <laughs> oh, it's hard to choose one story, right? I have so many stories that are always parallel to each other. I think the story I would like to share is my story with art, which will parallel my technology story as well. So 
since we're sharing time frames now and everybody knows how old we are young and fabulous <laughs> we're just hitting our prime i honestly we are so let's see about 12 years ago yeah i just had a work anniversary 12 years ago i graduated without a phd well i guess i need to start a little bit before there so 13 years ago 13, 12 and a half. Yeah, I was on a track, a PhD track, working in technology, assistive technology. And I exited early because it was the right thing to do. It was a hard decision to make. It didn't feel so great because that was the goal. Or rather, that was somebody else's goal that I made my own. And... I got a job and I've been there ever since. <laughs> yeah. Cause I walked this with you. So I'm going to be interrupting you all the time, like usual, but I love you. Isn't it amazing how <laughs> I guess that was probably 20 seconds. Right. And now 12 and a half years later, it's like, yeah, that was an experience. It was the right thing for me. It was someone else's dream. But at the time it was agonizing. Oh God. It was, it was so hard. hard. That's when I was still yeah. on the road a lot and we would talk a lot about the pain of making that choice. And now it's like so clearly the right thing that you did because you chose yourself. There was a fellow student, no, she was a postdoc. And she said to me, you're just not passionate about this word, this research. You're just not passionate about it. And I was so mad. I was angry at her. I was like, how dare you? I am passionate about this. I put so much time Mm -hmm. and (laughs) killed myself over this work. I had no idea what passion was. I thought passion was just a goal. Like just, I want to accomplish X. Okay, I'm passionate about it. I didn't didn't understand what passion was. Yeah, because your work ethic is wild. Your work ethic is a me. It's It's a firm. So my family calls Erica farm girl. Because she literally grew up farming (laughs) and brings that wisdom into everything. I mean, that is your work ethic. Yeah, we worked till we, you know, the early morning to late night. You know, either you were on the farm or you were learning or you were working your second job. There was always many jobs. Yeah, yeah. It's a great work ethic, but at the same time, like, I don't understand how not to work and how to relax. That will be, that's one of my lifelong challenges that will totally, everyone will understand when I like yeah. get a little bit. Oh, sorry. Because that brings you to story. your art. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't passionate and um, my advisor, you know, had to be the one that was like, he said, it's just not working. And I had been struggling for so long and I was like, yeah, you're right. And I walked out of there totally crushed. <laughs> And that was really hard. I saw him a couple of years ago and walked up to him and thanked him. He was like, you don't hate me? I'm like, no, why would I hate you? You were right. Thank you for telling me. (laughs) Because there's a lot of people that graduate and get their PhDs and then don't do very well because that's not the work that they were meant to do. Yeah. 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 And he was brave. I mean, I'm sure that that was very hard for him to say 
and he, you know, he had some learning to do as well. And that's incredible. He's a bit of a hard ass. So he's, <laughs> I don't know if he's brave would be. <laughs> Probably just one of 20 conversations he had. <laughs> well, you were brave to listen to him and to feel the feels and keep going. Yes, I am grateful for his hard ass. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, where things start to parallel is about that time, like I had discovered, oh, yeah, right. I love photography. Robert, my husband, got me a digital camera. I finally embraced that was back when the big um, you know manual camera to digital yeah. camera occurred. Yeah. God, I feel old. <laughs> We've been married for this length. Isn't that incredible? Oh man. <sighs> so I started a career in medical imaging research as well as a career as a photographer. Which actually, just until recently, I was like, oh, imaging, parallel imaging careers. Isn't that yeah, interesting? Yeah, totally. Uh, or something. My challenge with my art was that I so desperately wanted to be considered an artist. I wanted people to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. And when you're starting out with anything, like, it's challenging to get people to appreciate you for what you know you can achieve. Your potential, your vision. Yeah. You know, I was starting at a pretty late age being a beginner. Mm. And that's hard for me, a perfectionist, an engineer. You think you have so much knowledge and then you're beginning again and you don't remember what it's like to be a beginner. Yeah. Yeah. There was so many feels and I really... Because I wanted to be considered an artist, I was just so desperate to find my identity. Mm. And it was so challenging to do that, like within the time that I had for myself. So, you know, the farmer work ethic, right? Mm -hmm. I'm working full time in tech, trying to have a side business in photography, attempting to do weddings, which is just insane. (laughs) Except for mine. Mine was so simple and straightforward and easy. (laughs) None of that was true. (laughs) Yeah. And there's, it was just, I've always tried to do more than I can handle. And I was successful for a while, but Mm. that caught up to me pretty recently. What's so interesting is yeah, we're going to go to there. (laughs) And what's interesting (laughs) to me is I didn't realize until you told that story how it was your passion and you were feeling that passion, but it was somebody else's version of what success looks like in that passion. Yes. Yes. I didn't put that all together. Yeah. There was a big shakeup in, you know, photography and all of a sudden everybody had digital cameras and everybody was a photographer. The photographers the you know, classically trained photographers, I guess we could say, were really threatened and they had to really change how they did business. And a lot of people just didn't make it through that transition. Some people transitioned to digital, some didn't. And the the business behind it is really interesting. I tried to define like, what is the definition of a photographer? Can I call myself a photographer? Right? Because engineering, it's like, all right, I get a degree. I can say I'm a bioengineer. Yeah. And, 
you you respect me because I have my degree, right? Yes. And academia is steeped in that, right? Yes. PhD, you're the boss if you have the PhD, right? If you have anything else, you're like the peon. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, going from academia into like this other industry, I was like, what do I have to do to prove to people that I'm serious, that my work is good? Do I have to take classes? Do I need to get another degree? And I kept reading on forums that like, if you don't make this many sales or you're not full time, then you're not a photographer. Like everybody has all of these definitions and labels. And I struggled with that. And I think I I put way too much energy into that. The amount of time it took me to make that piece that sits behind you Mm -hmm. and to start find my voice. I'm like, oh, I could have gotten there so much quicker if I wouldn't have put so much energy into these other things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, hindsight is 2020, right? (laughs) And we're always on these circles, right? You know, one of the things that I hear often is I'm just stuck in the circle. I'm stuck in the circle. And I Mm -hmm. feel that way sometimes. Oh my gosh, with my parenting, sometimes I'm like, how are we in this circle again? But then when I look back, I realize that, yeah, it felt that way. And in reality, I was learning incrementally because Mm -hmm. then I can like a spring, like leap forward and knowing your journey with art and knowing how much stronger and confident and I don't know the right word for this, Erica, so I hope you'll help me here, but like (laughs) imperfect you are with your art. So uh, let me describe that because maybe that's not the right word. So (laughs) Erica and I did a week-long retreat and we worked on each other's businesses and did nothing and sat by a fire. It was pretty fantastic. Oh, and we chased, you chased a lost sheep. I was too scared (laughs) to chase the sheep. It was stuck. And then we found out it always gets stuck. It's a little pain in the butt. But anyways, back to the thing. Your work now is based on oil, alcohol oil, alcohol paint. Oh my gosh. Alcohol ink. Ink. Thank you. And you drop it, right? So I'm doing this with Erica and I'm like, I mean, how hard can this be? right? You just drop in and it spreads a little bit and it's lovely. <laughs> it's so hard <laughs> and it never goes the way you think it's going to go. And it's beautiful. And it's this imperfection and this uncontrolled, natural beauty that you bring into your art with such confidence. Oh, thank you. So yeah, there was some spinning for a while, but it was spinning that created a spring for mm-hmm. the leap forward, Yes, I think. What I like about what I do is the complexity of it and the total lack of control over it. Yeah, yeah. that, that description. I mean, you know, should we tell the story about how you came home <laughs> with a pamphlet about perfectionism and handed it to me? <laughs> No, I don't think we should tell that (laughs) that, story. Will that stay in the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) You can tell lots of my secrets. (laughs) Totally. How I lived off of cheese and deer for like a semester. You know you have a 
beautiful friendship when somebody can come to you and tell you, <laughs> fix your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Fix your shit. <laughs> and both ways, like yes. both ways. When I was getting so obsessed with a specific type of success and you didn't give me a pamphlet because we were on the phone. This is when I was, when I stepped back in my career, I didn't get formally demoted, but I basically got demoted. Do you remember this? Yes. And I was losing it. And you were like, you have been miserable. You don't like that work. Now you get to do work. You say you like what is going on. Mm. Like that power of friendship. And then my career took off. It just exploded like two years later. Isn't mm -hmm. that funny? In my memory, it's like, and then it exploded. <laughs> and in reality, there's a two year. <laughs> like, <anywho. laughs> oh my gosh. So describe how you make your art. Describe. Sure. There's a type of photography called multiple exposure photography, like a method. You know, if you think about the old film cameras, you would just expose the film twice before you went to the next slide. And I'm able to do that within my digital camera. So I take two, sometimes three photographs at the same time in my camera. And I know that Photoshop exists. My husband reminds me all the time and is like, why don't you just, <laughs> um, I make the process. I just, I like doing it in camera. I don't want to sit at a computer. I sit at a computer all the time. I don't want to be glued to it all the time. I like the challenge of bringing two or three images together into a beautiful image without knowing exactly how it's going to come together. It's like a surprise. It's like, it's so hard to explain. I like not having control of every little single pixel. Like, why do I need that control? Why do I need to? Could be that my art would be better if I would do it in Photoshop and merge layers and all that stuff. But that's not, I'm a, I'm a tactile person. I like to make things with my hands. You know, my process is all about making things with my hands. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this, I didn't know the conversation around Photoshop and what it would look like. And what your art does is brings the natural mm -hmm. imperfections of the flowers and the scenes that you capture, which I think that's what makes people get drawn to the metal pieces and the wood pieces and the cards. I mean, everyone that I know that has one of your cards, I have a card right down here. That's why I'm looking at that. They all still have their cards. I think it's because there isn't that pixel by pixel by pixel, but there's rather this felt but undescribed mm -hmm. naturalness. And then the the incredible chaos mm -hmm. of I the love ink. That. I love this. The It's like you can just see science happening right in front of you. You know, the particles moving around and 
mixing with each other, coming up, like you might pick three colors that you want your painting to be, and then you get a couple extra in there that I guess maybe if I knew color theory better, <laughs> I wouldn't know what to expect, but um, even how they, sometimes like the colors, I don't know, colors separate a little bit, then all of a sudden there's texture. Because when you start with the alcohol ink itself, you know, it just looks blue, right, when you drop it. But then like, you start to mix the different mediums and move them around and... I don't know. They start to separate and converge and I don't know. There it's I just love it so much. Yeah. And create mm -hmm. unequal weights and when you did that with my kids, you could see how both of them were experiencing this transformation of mm -hmm. this white piece of paper into this layers and layers of colors and yeah, I mean, my little one couldn't keep her finger out of the paint. <laughs> right. She was just fascinated by the weight. That was really neat. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think were some of, like, the lessons, like the brave, bravest moments or the, the lessons that you carry forward mm -hmm. and why you wanted to share share this journey from I'm not getting my PhD, I'm not completing someone else's dream, into art and then claiming it as your own and defining it. And like you chose to call yourself an artist. Mm -hmm. Yes. You didn't I wait had for to. anybody else. You got yeah. to that point. I learned that you can wait for people to give you permission, but it's not until you give yourself permission that things can happen. Ooh. Right. I so desperately wanted the world to be like, yes, you can be an artist. Go do it. Nobody, nobody would do that for me. Nobody could do that for me. I had to decide it for myself. When they're like, people yeah. ask you, what could you tell your younger self? I'd be like that. I think that's what I would tell my younger self. So you have to decide that's who you want to be. And I think that, I mean, that translates to women going into product, women going into steam, anybody who wants to do anything, you're the person that decides that's what you want to be. Yeah. I think that one of the things I love about, you know, this, this description, because you are creative in tech and you are creative in art and you are creative in opportunities for women and girls in steam areas. And I love the and because you didn't have to choose. Yeah. Well, I'm still working on that. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't choose just one. I find so much fulfillment in all of them. You know, I need to be technical. I need to be creative and non-technical. I need to be in service to others. I have to be all these things. And the world keeps telling me, no, you can't be all of those things. You know, I meet people, and if you don't have a quick label, then they kind of brush you off, right? So really quickly. Yeah. It's like, well, part of it is learning to pitch yourself to others too. Right now I'm, I'm now I've got my head wrapped around it a little bit better, but, you know, there are still people that, when they're getting to know me, they're like, you call yourself a what? 
and they don't necessarily understand it or you haven't earned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those aren't my people. Those aren't your people. <laughs> they don't get to come to the Iowa ch- sheep chasing <laughs> adventure. But really the two, my technical and non-technical brains really inform each other. And it wasn't until I put the energy into my art and finding my artistic voice that I found my technical voice. I don't have a specific date, but I know like at some point I found my artistic voice and I'm like all of a sudden found this confidence. Hell yeah. I am great at this. Well, great, but I make some great, great artwork Y'all, she's great. We're cutting that out. I love it. If I can love it. (laughs) Um, You know, work that I'm proud of. And then all of a sudden in my technical work, I found this confidence to start speaking up and to be more blunt and to to be a leader. And I needed both of them. I need both of them. And there's something in there about liking oneself, which is just an ongoing (laughs) spiral with leaps and then spirals for me, for me. Art has found things in me that I wasn't able to find. Technical degrees don't teach you 50% about what it is that you need to learn (laughs) when you go out into the world. (laughs) I, I tell people the only thing, the, the one thing that engineering school taught me was that I don't actually have to know how to do anything. I can figure it out. I can go do the research and figure it out. And there's so much that they don't teach you how to lead. They don't really teach you how to manage projects, which when you get out of the real world, you really need to know how to do. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So the first time I ever went onto like a consulting kind of thing, it was because a colleague wasn't feeling well. And I was the only one in our small little department who didn't have children and didn't have holiday or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go to Norway. Falling into consulting, which is relationship management, project management, conflict, all the things was just this cosmic gift because I didn't learn any of that with my degree. And I learned some of it. In poverty, you learn to be really creative and figure out how to get things done and being the oldest sister and things like that, but not at that level. I may have studied all of the world's religion and read all their texts, but how to get shit done on a deadline without pissing everybody else (laughs) off was not part of my university, thank you, (laughs) $110,000. Oh, man. Oh, man. So we've talked a lot about our role models and and who we look up to. And, you know, as we've gone for 22 years of friendship and just had all these different life phases, who is a brave role model that you'd like to share with the listeners today? Mm. Oh, dear listeners. (laughs) So this is one I struggle with. 
the reason I just figured out, I just learned the reason that I struggle with this. So I've been learning a lot about identity, specifically in how young children form STEM identity, right? Because some of my work is now geared towards inspiring the next generation of young engineers and scientists to want to go into those career paths. And, you know, a lot of that is just children need to build a STEM identity. They need to connect with and see themselves in the profession, which I think is totally fascinating, right? The reason I bring that up is because I never felt like there was somebody that like really inspired me. I just figured that out recently why that is, is because I've had such a hard time like figuring out what my identity is. I couldn't really connect with other people. I know sometimes I bring up Oprah and Oprah is fabulous. And I am, (laughs) I am grateful that Oprah exists and that people find her inspiring, but I'm not going to be Oprah. So I don't aspire to be an Oprah. I, I aspire to be the best I can be as myself. So that means I need to find people that I can identify with and relate to and be inspired by them. And what I realized is that my beautiful group of friends, I've surrounded myself with people that are just, I just love them so much. They're making such an impact on the world. They're bringing joy to other people through showing them their beauty, their their relationships to others. And God, I can't just pick one. <laughs> so everybody. <laughs> and you don't have to. <laughs> <There's so many. laughs> I mean, so there's you, of course, of course. Mm, thank you. Who I I still feel like a terrible friend when you're like, my word is brave. And I'm like, yeah, I don't relate. (laughs) Now I do. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny because, you know, the first time I talked about brave and and I share this on an episode with Cora who spoke with me to Nina B, I really mean it. You're one of the bravest people I know because I love being in the center of attention. I will hop onto any stage you give me access to. I'll walk into any room. Well, not any room now because I realize people are dirty and we have a lot of germs. But anyways, and I'll make small talk with anybody, connect with anybody. And you will do the same actions, but it's not your comfortable place. And you'll still get on the stage. And that just continues to amaze me. Thank you. Yes, it terrifies me. And my motivation is always others, being in service to others. Somebody said that to me a number of years ago, or like some house party. It was my boss's wife. And she asked what I was up to. And I you know, list some of the things that I was excited about tackling at work. And she's like, she looked at me inside and she's like, I always in service to others. And you know me, I don't remember very many conversations and that I I think about her saying that to me a lot. And I'm like, my motivation is make the world a better place, make a difference in other people's lives. And you've surrounded yourself with people who do that. 
Jude oh with her gosh, services. Jude has just transformed me. Yeah. I mean, Heather, who's releasing a book soon. That's super fun. And she'll have a TED Talk. Heather will have a TED Talk. She's going to listen to this and she's going <laughs> to. And I'm going to amplify it oh everywhere. Gosh. Heather is a is a straight talker, and she doesn't have time for people who don't consider accessibility. And I may have been one mm. of them peoples. We all. We can all learn and change our ways. And Heather is, you know, she's making an impact in the world. And her book's coming out soon. It's going to really share an incredible story an incredible experience an incredible person with the world so get heather's book (laughs) (laughs) this is the good old gals network right here we are always amplifying each other we are the water that is raising all boats there's so many people i would i want i do can i list one more you can list three more. I want to list one more. I want to list Anita Buzzy Prentice and her beautiful book during quarantine. She called Portraits. Porch, as in you're out on your front porch. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 What in the midst of the saddest time that we all have collectively experienced, Anita is out there socially distanced and safely taking pictures, family portraits of people during quarantine and sharing their stories. I got the book and read it to my grandmother. We were sat on the porch and we were reading through the stories. And it's just, it's amazing how, how much that connects people. Like one of the stories was about a woman who learned to cut her husband's hair right during quarantine. And my grandma could not stop talking about that. She's like, I used to cut your grandfather's hair. And I would keep reading more stories and she'd come and keep coming back to that woman cutting her hair. And it was amazing to me. Like we forget like how similar we are. We're always like asking like, what do you do? Right? Like what's your label? And then we forget about all the more, more important stuff really. Just human experience. So yeah, that's that mm-hmm. label conversation. What do you do? Who are you? Rather than what do you love? Or I always see on these parent forums a tweet on Twitter that went viral like 10 years ago. And it was like, nobody ever asks me what my favorite dinosaur <laughs> is anymore. Or what what's your favorite thought right now? Mm, that's, that's such a powerful mm-hmm. idea, right? You know, that's why I started this podcast because I know that when I saw another woman share her story, so this was, I had just moved to Germany and I was, I think I was still freelancing and she's shared her story about moving to Germany and how painful it was because she's an extrovert. That's me. She's a people person. That's me. And it's not the easiest place Mm -mm. culturally. And how she came from poverty and a violent home and things where we had nothing else in common, but we had that in common. And here she was, this woman traveling around the world, 
in STEM. She was actually in aeronautics. I can't tell you that woman's name. I can just say that her story showed me I could do something too. And that's why this podcast with these stories is such a a heart work for me. Listeners don't know, but I go to bed at an insanely early hour. I also wake up at an insanely early hour. But this is so important to me that, guys, it's almost 8 p.m. I still have on real clothes because sharing these stories is so important to keeping women in and around tech. Tech is the infrastructure of our future lives. And we need women in the driver's seats, in their wholeness, yes, as creatives in tech, in art, in opportunities, in their wholeness and not pretending for however many hours a day to be somebody else's identity because we deserve it already. <laughs> All right. So how can people follow you? How can they learn more? And most importantly, how can they buy your works of art? But not the ones that I have my eye on, <laughs> the other ones. <laughs> um, let's see. So I have a brand new gallery online called ericatamburogallery.com. What? Yeah. Y'all, I am just learning this right now. It's live, ericatamburogallery.com. Yes, it's live, but I have so much stuff to put up there. Um, it's going to take a while for everything to get up. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. And there will be a new blog as well, so you can learn about my process and, you know, continue. Join me on my journey. We can journey together. And I do yes. have an Instagram, Erica Tamburo. Go and follow me on there. Yeah, those are probably the two best places. I'm on LinkedIn too, if you want to connect there. I'm happy to connect. Fantastic. Thank you for Oh having. man, thank you. I feel so lucky and so special mm, to share my life with you. I really appreciate you. <laughs> I didn't promise not to cry. So thank you. Long distance hug from long distance buddies. All right. Thank you for this story. And everybody reach out to Erica and check out her art. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Celebrate Brave podcast. If you're ready to build your brave, to live a life you love and create a career that matters to you. Reach out. Together, we can spend time one-on-one to explore how I can help you. And until then, share this episode with people in your life, people who can join our movement to redefine brave, how we identify it, experience it, and celebrate it.